the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host. And today I have Charles McElroy uh, from Gold Leaf. I'm really excited to have him here today. He's the founder of Gold Leaf, a science forward printing company for cannabis growers, patients, and enthusiasts. Gold Leaf empowers people by helping them better understand their interactions with the plant and works to make the subject more approachable to new audiences. A former volunteer with the Marijuana Policy Project, a history supporting veterans' education and access to medical marijuana, and several years studying permaculture and organic farming in Ohio and Colorado, Charles created Gold Leaf to benefit the evolving recreational and medical medical, (laughs) uh, cannabis communities. Gold Leaf products are available worldwide, and the company also provides custom design services now adorning select dispensaries and white label products across the United States. Formerly CEO at Noble Denim and Victor Athletics, uh, dispensaries and white label products. Oh, wait a second here. Ah, I went all over the place. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Charles holds a BS in engineering, technology, and management from Ohio University with an MBA track at Miami University in business. Informatics or information? Informatics. Informatics. That's what they call it. What's that? Uh, It's like um, data visualization. Oh, Um, right on. Yep. Oh, Charlie. It's where data meets, uh, yeah. That's perfect for what you do. It is, yeah. So, so tell us. I I just want to say before we really get into the products. I well, I am getting into the products by saying this, but I love your journals, okay. and I have some of your flashcards that I was gifted, and they're just, it's it's just so beautiful and informative. Um, but what I want to know is, how did you get into all of this, and how did you how did you start getting interested in cannabis? <laughs> yeah, great question. Uh- and thanks for the for the intro, Sarah. I'm super stoked to uh, be chatting with you. Um, so yeah, I, I started Gold Leaf what feels like forever ago at this point, um, partially because 2020 is the longest year ever. But um, it's I guess we're we're gonna ha- we're gonna be starting our fifth year of being in existence um, uh, in a couple days. So I think November one is is our birthday. So, ah, congratulations. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I've i been a student of cannabis for a long time. Um, I, I never really uh, utilized it personally until uh, later in life, but um, I was exposed to it more from a, uh, I guess, like a, a social platform um, prior. Um, I, I worked a lot with uh, musicians and activists, um, in uh, the Cincinnati area, uh, kind of growing up. Um, and that was kind of when I was exposed to, uh, I guess, like the, the social political angles of cannabis and how it was used to uh, basically oppress people. Um, so that kind of invigorated me from a, from a younger age. And uh, as I got older, I was diagnosed with a autoimmune condition. Um, I tried different uh, pharmaceuticals without much success, and I kind of found uh, through my own trial uh, and error, I guess, that um, cannabis does have a place in my in my uh, personal repertoire to kind of keep some of these symptoms that I experience at bay. Um, so I've always been very methodical and uh, uh, calculating in in my my use with cannabis and. Um, basically because of those two pieces, it's always been kind of central in my mind. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to finally be, uh, working in the industry to, you know, further the conversation, the normalization, um, and all that with, you know, you know, with the tools that I kind of have in my tool belt, uh, with cannabis. So, um, after my work with, uh, Noble Denim and Victor, uh, which were, um, sustainable clothing companies. Um, I, I kind of, you know, cut my teeth in the business world there. Um, you know, learned a great deal with product development and how to, uh, kind of handle supply chains and all that. Um, so I kind of used some of my, um, 
connections from uh, that industry and, um, you know, built out the first Gold Leaf products, uh, which were the, the bound journals. Um, and from there, uh, because I, I do fancy myself an artist, <laughs> just a different kind, um, I, it, it seemed logical to also have some of the infographics that we were putting in the journal uh, have have them, you know, be shown with uh, as other or with other vehicles of communication like larger prints or or cards like you mentioned, uh, stuff like that. So um, it felt like a natural fit. So uh, that's kind of how the idea of Goldleaf came came to be. Uh, well, I guess that that's how the the products came to be. the The idea itself was simply that nothing existed like it at the time. Um, I wanted to show the idea of cannabis in a utterly mature, respectful, uh, responsible way, um, but in a way that people can be lured in uh, aesthetically um, without being turned off by any of the, you know, previous baggage somebody might have uh, on the subject. So, um, yeah, mix all those together, and that that was kind of the recipe for gold leaf. Um, and uh yeah five years later here we are <laughs> well i i just find they were one of the first journals that i saw that i really liked because like you said they're very accessible um and it's really it really directs a person more towards destigmatization and normalization mm-hmm. um I, I always find it really fascinating talking to people about how they got into working in cannabis or in the cannabis industry with cannabis, however, however you want to, you know, state it. But one of the things that I've noticed, yeah. you know, um, there are some, there are some definite patterns. Cause I, last episode I spoke with Harry Rose from Rosette and he's, he has an amazing cannabis mind. He's, he's definitely coming from it from like the scientific realm with his formulations but he also got into cannabis because of things with his, uh, he had autoimmune issues. And for me, it was, you know, initially I did it for my cancer, but I also, I have Hashimoto, so I have autoimmune stuff that cannabis addresses really mm. well. And it's, I think it's a really amazing thing when those of us who like the use has, has resonated for us that we've taken other steps to make it accessible for other people. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. My my uh, brother-in-law um was recently diagnosed with uh, Hashimoto and um I I haven't really dived in or you know taken the the plunge to help him with the research side uh, but maybe after the podcast we could talk about that a little bit cuz I'd love to know more about your experience there. Uh but yeah, it, it's an amazing um you know medical tool. Um and I think that's how a lot of people kind of get exposed to it or get opened up to it. Um, you know, that said, I, I think, you know, we're fooling ourselves if, if cannabis doesn't have an element that is simply enjoyable to people. Um, so, you know, it, it's always tough to separate the, the medical from, I guess, the, uh, the enjoyment side or, or the recreational, um, you know, oftentimes those are, uh, kind of symbiotic. So, um, yeah, the, I guess the, the great thing is, is that the dangers are, are very slight, uh, um, in terms of personal experimentation with that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me personally, it's like, because I, I started out so immersed in medical cannabis, um, I just always take for granted that the euphoric, enjoyable aspects of it go hand in hand. But it's also it's also the privilege of being just immersed in cannabis. <laughs> I kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean. But it, sure. that is one of the things that I really enjoy about your products too. Is that you have a lot of different kinds of journals to cater to uh, whatever direction people want to uh, approach their cannabis use. You want to talk a little bit yeah. about the different journals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we do focus on those different hyper niches, and I love it. Like, I, I love the different reasons why people um, are passionate about cannabis. And uh, what we found at Goldleaf is um, 
there are a lot of people who are passionate about cannabis, but most people are not passionate about the same uh, single thing in cannabis. So um, we have, like, in terms of our data, uh, it, it's sort of maddening because our, our trends and our uh, demographics and, and the different audiences that we speak to are often wildly different, um, you know, in, in all categories that, that would kind of make sense. Um, so, uh, it just kind of allows us, um, like we're one brand, but within us, you know, there's arguably three branches, um, that all have, have slightly different missions, uh, and, and slightly different approaches. Um, so we, we work hard to always team up with experts in any of these areas that we discuss. Um, medical is obviously a, a big portion, portion of what we do, um, I'd say the, the second biggest would be cultivation and growing, um, which I, I've always personally had a, a great curiosity about, and I've been able to scratch that itch throughout my life. Um, but I, I really love being able to make uh, something that's so practical for, uh, for those types of people, um, those home growers, those, those craftspeople who want to get better and understand their process more. Um, and then, you know, the third branch would, would be what we just call kind of culture. Um, so that would be the enjoyment, the, the recreational side, the can of tourism, um, the uh, culinary arts, the um, intimacy, uh, and, and so on. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's some overlap with all of these. Uh, you know, I, I regularly, regularly hear from uh, medical patients who enjoy kind of our, our cannabis taster journal more than the patient journal uh, because the patient journal takes such a clinical approach to it. You know, it was um, co-authored by, by physicians and medical experts. And so the language follows that, you know, um, we're very, very uh, mature and clinical in the way that we talk about things. Whereas with the recreational side, we can kind of be a little bit more witty, <laughs> I guess, in the words that we pick to describe things. And that's disarming for a lot of people. Um, depending on your situation, uh, you might like that uh, more subdued tone, uh, you know, with your journal and, and with the prompts and stuff. Um, and you might uh, find that, you know what, I, I figured out my routine. I know what I like now. Um, but uh, within that, there's lots of other products to explore that, uh, kind of fit within that that microcosm of what works works for me so um at that point you could maybe level up and go uh try a journal that that focuses on um you know more of the the recreational specific things like like the the grow styles the different product types um the the locations uh even down to the terroir of, of the different uh farms that you're uh, purchasing from. Yeah, I, I so, love, I love yeah, there's that. Lot, yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess that's, that's my piece, Sarah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, I think it's really, it's important to have those tools. And, and I like that you have a variety of different ways to approach it because it's, it really is about what resonates for the user. Um, I, a lot of times when I used to work behind the bar, I'd have people come up and they'd be trying to use cannabis, whether it was, you know, medicinal or just for a certain feel or, you know, whatever, however they were utilizing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, they would be frustrated sometimes. And I'd ask, you know, and a lot of times they would even dump stuff in front of me, just like a whole bunch of different products. And I'd ask them what <laughs> happened, you know, and they just like kind of furrow yeah. their brow and they're like, I don't know. It just didn't work. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. That's where the journaling really comes in because I, I think that cannabis is a it's a unique opportunity to ground and get in touch with how the things that we put in our bodies, not just cannabis but anything, creates a reaction. Yeah. And that we, we often have more information for ourselves than we know. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. I, I think cannabis is is unique in the sense that when you're when you're trying to figure out what works for you, uh, there's no playbook 
Um, there's no prescription or specifics that anybody can really lend. That's going to be your, your, uh, secret sauce. You've got to, you just have to figure it out on your own. Um, that's one reason why I, I always liked the analog method more than like apps or something. Um, I, you know, like I, I'm very fluent with computers. We, we do all of our design with computers and all that, but, um, going with a journal was very intentional from the start because of the, the mindfulness elements of it and, and the way that it forces you to slow down and it, um, it actually will improve your, your retention and your memory for the things that you're noting. So that seemed like such an important part for anybody's, uh, you know, speaking medically, like anybody's uh, therapy um, to be able to um, kind of have that extra, extra thing uh, going on when, when you're trying to understand your body. Yeah. yeah, And the same is true with any of, any of those other categories of things like, you know, growing, um, or, or intimacy or anything like having something that is patient there with you. Um, you know, that's not, uh, distracting or, or barking notifications or a constant security risk or whatever it is. Um, the journals just kind of make sense. I agree. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I always, in my classes, I always talk about, you know, this crazy world we live in where we're rushing from project to project and pre-COVID from place to place, you know, inundated with our, <laughs> our cell phones, our laptops. It's like we do lose touch with our bodies. And it's it's an amazing grounding exercise. Um, oh, gosh, there was something I was going to say. I just had a moment here. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, oh, I know what it was. I, when I teach classes, I always tell people, if you come to my class, you read a really great education book, you read research, all you, what you're getting back is useful information, but it's, it's a foundation because it's a report back on how that control group or in some cases, a majority of human beings respond to cannabis. And, um, you know, people are always surprised. Like when I, I do lectures for uh, pharmacology students at UCSF and they want to have exact dosages and ratios for things. And that's when yeah. I look at them and I'm like, but you, you know that's not how it works. Even if you tell your patient something, you're going to adjust it as you watch how they respond. And they're like, yeah, because, you know, it is. It's our, um, in some cases, our gender because of the way estrogen works with, you know, THC. Mm-hmm our age, our neurodiversity. There's there's so much that comes into play when we're looking at our personal use. And then when we're going into, you know, the different, the other kinds of journaling, just like being able, like with growing, just recording what's, you know, what your experience was so you can look back on it and learn from that is, it's a great tool. And I think that it's, you know, in some ways journaling has become a little bit of a lost art that we really need to reclaim. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. So talk about some of the other products that you have, like like the cards and some of the prints and some of those items as well. Because I think that sure. it, the journals are great, but some people are, are more visual than, than writing. And I think yeah. that, you know, and, and those cards are just so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, the, the cards are um, just so your listeners know if they haven't um, seen them, they're, they're basically like pocket-sized infographics. Um, so they're, uh, there's a lot of information there, but it's packaged in a very visual way. Um, it's something you can kind of come back to and reference uh, in a way that's just not all text-based, you know? Um, so our, our print side uh, has kind of quickly become like... Um, Almost, almost the majority of what we do uh, from, from a design standpoint. Um, we obviously iterate on our journals pretty regularly um, when new info comes available or, or we get additional feedback from our, our partners or, um, or customers. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of integrate those and make, make newer versions. Um, our, our patient journal is in its 13th version now. Um, but uh, that's pretty. It's a pretty slow-moving thing, and those changes are not big. Um, 
what's really been exciting is is to be able to uh, kind of use our design shops um, and our team has some great designers on it. Um, and because we exist in the cannabis space and we touch all of these niches, we can uh, kind of exercise uh, all kinds of uh, crazy ideas design wise. And if they don't have, a, if they don't make a big splash, uh, it's not very risky for us uh, from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very enjoyable because we can uh, do all these like strategic partnerships with different organizations and, and different people in the cannabis community to um, take their ideas or, or take some concept and make an art piece out of it. Um, we obviously like when that art piece is also in- informational, but it doesn't always have to be. Um, we, we do, um, you know, I guess art forward stuff as well. And, one example of that was this uh, vintage travel print series that we did. Um, and I'm sure people have seen those like vintage travel posters, um, those like lithographic style art prints from, uh, I guess, like the turn of the century, early 1900s to maybe like the 1950s. Um, that's something that is really popular in my hometown of Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati used to uh, be quite a printing behemoth and actually all of those lithographic prints throughout the world, including ones that are like visit Italy and visit Paris and stuff were probably printed in Cincinnati. Really? Um, I had no idea. Yeah, there's, there's a really cool museum um, here uh, called the Taft Museum that has some of those old artifacts and uh, there's a lot of like letterpress folks still around and so it's pretty neat, but uh, we wanted to do something that um, was inspired by that aesthetic, but was also something for the cannabis community. So what we did was we took, uh, uh, we kind of started with just a handful of locations and took something that is unique about them from a cannabis standpoint and um, made like a, an illustration, but we, and we brought cannabis into it but in the most subtle way possible. So somebody could be like, oh, look at this beautiful Oregon forest. Uh, it says, you know, visit Oregon or whatever. And they walk up to it. And then they will notice that there are, um, you know, cannabis plants uh, in the foreground or are growing around the, the feet of the stag or, um, you know, something like that. Or, or in the case of Colorado, um, showing a, a hoop house, um, like a, um, you know, one of like the old school types of greenhouses that were kind of uh, popular when they first um, legalized cannabis, um, you know, with, with a beautiful night sky above it. Um, so it, it looks like a uh, kind of like a, a fun um, illustrated outdoor image, but uh, it, it has subtle cues to uh, the cannabis culture uh, unique to the state. Um and we were able to partner with some, some really great artists that we've been fans of for a while uh, for each of these. And um, one of them, we also um, partnered with some nonprofits uh, to uh, donate proceeds. Uh, so whenever the, that print gets sold, we donate the proceeds. Um, and that, that's something we, we do pretty regularly at Gold Leaf as well. Um, it's just a, you know, our, our small way of being able to contribute to the causes that are meaningful to us. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly aware that we're not a giant company, uh, even though we have a, a big wide audience. Uh, we don't, we don't sell things that are as highly valued as like cannabis plant, uh, material. Um, and you know, that's, that's sort of by design. It allows us to, uh, be able to ship everything worldwide and, uh, to have have fans in in Australia and Africa and um, everywhere else, and not have weird but, federal uh, taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not have our bank account shut down. <laughs> Be right. able to buy insurance. Um, so it, that's been nice. But uh, you know, we our our items are not wildly expensive, um, e- even though we, you know, we go through great lengths to make sure that they're uh, high quality. 
um, gold leaf's kind of a labor of love, and, and this is kind of one of the ways that we can kind of give back. Um, one example of that is is a new uh, kind of product bundle we uh, are doing this season uh, where all the proceeds will be going to um, the the uh, Wildland uh, Firefighter Foundation, uh-huh. um, which is a Uh, excuse me, which is a group of um, a nonprofit who assists uh, families of firefighters who were injured or killed in the line of duty. Wow. That's, that's, that's an awesome thing that, and I just, what is in the bundle? Uh, It's um, just some of our kind of more, more popular items. There's a, a cannabis taster, um, cards that are uh, about the like a card pack about the um, uh, generally cannabis quality so all of the components that go into that uh, and one of our botanical illustration prints That's... and uh, yeah uh, so I know it, it, it's a small thing but we wanted to find something that could kind of touch upon the uh, uh, the wildfires kind of plaguing the west coast uh, that wasn't unique to any one state. So this organization works with um, all of those firefighters and volunteers in like kind of an egalitarian way. Uh, I, th- I think that that's really cool. And I, I mean, I think that, you know, it's like whatever people can do to be able to help because it's it's been a rough year for a lot of people. Um, I think it's a it's a beautiful gesture, and actually the package itself sounds like it would make a really nice gift for the holidays. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. Um, yeah, and uh, it's still hard for me to talk about even. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. Like, um, I know it's impacted a lot a lot of folks. Um, way worse than, than us. Um, we have some people on our team who have been displaced from them, but I know that pales into comparison or pales in comparison to, um, you know, other individuals. Um, and, you know, and then like the, the economics of it all, uh, which we've definitely noticed that with uh, some of our partners who, who have had to uh, kind of be uprooted or, or change their, plans for what a third time in 2020 yeah yeah it's um (laughs) nobody wants to hear the word pivot anymore (laughs) you know (laughs) it's just so awful it's i mean here in northern california you know californians we've always we've always been aware of fire season but like the past three fire seasons have been just insane and it's like I don't know how people can understand that the world is changing and we need to make, we need to make some choices because, you know, if I, I, I don't have children, but I have nieces, you know, and I would really like the world to be safe for them when they get older. And if they decide to have children, you know, it's, it's it's nuts. Um, But I just, I think like, you know, what you're doing with that and, and just even like the products that you're doing, like the normalization of cannabis and, you know, and the educating of oneself, these are all things that are really important as far as like creating good policy. Like, and, and this goes across the board. Like, I think that cannabis in many ways for some people is actually getting them a little bit more politically active so that we're and then it gets people mm-hmm. thinking about other things that they need to be politically active about i know here in california like after legalization we had people knocking down the door of the dispensary wanting to purchase without a recommendation and so we had to have kind of like a stoner's civics 101 like no you know once a bill has passed now we have to set up everything <laughs> we have to set up the reality <laughs> you know Right. Or when people get upset that, you know, cannabis is expensive and getting upset at the producers or the dispensaries and getting them to understand that a lot of it has to do with um, parameters that are set by the government and taxation. And, you know, and that's when I tell people, if you don't like what you're hearing, we need to really get engaged with our policymakers and let them know that, 
you know, we're productive, we use cannabis, and we vote. And that that goes, that's not just cannabis, it's, you know, it's stuff with the environment, it's, you know, creating new policies to keep people safe, so maybe we won't have as much of this crazy fire season stuff, or what we're yeah. dealing with with the pandemic, how it's being handled. Right. That's a great point, Sarah. Like, I I remember um, going to a conference in Canada, uh, in Ontario, and this was something that they're trying to still deal with, which is, you know, cannabis is, is legal, but we're only seeing less than 50% saturation in terms of the, the amount of cannabis purchased, less than half of it comes from a legal source. So why are people still turning to the black market? And it's mostly cost. Yeah. And um, so I... This this is like very kind of a, a like dipping into the political realm because it, it's like what do you want out of your community and your life? Do you want um, to to simply be like, well, black market's cheaper, so uh, f off legal legal cannabis. I'm just going to keep getting it from my my grower connection or whatever it is. Uh, or do you want to uh, set up a a system for uh, for legalization where those growers and, and those uh, purveyors are able to uh, get in get into that business uh, legally um, without so much restriction and um, I mean some restriction is, is very good but um, not the kind that cripples a business and makes it um, hilariously impossible to to do things right um, yeah you know it, it's like do you want hope? Do you want to believe in hope and, and push for something better? Believe that you can do something better? Because if you do, then you need to work for it. You need to, like you're saying, you need to um, kind of work to impart change uh, to make things better instead of just throwing in the towel and saying, like, uh, you know, I don't know, like a libertarian stance where you're just saying, like, I'm just going to grow it myself or buy it from my neighbor. We don't need anybody else involved. Um, th that's not going to work for most people. So while it works for some, it's not going to work for most people uh, simply because, you know, people live in cities and you don't have the luxury of space or uh, time to, to do all this stuff. Right. So, uh, right. And I, yeah, it's, go for it. it's also, you know, it makes it hard for small businesses to go legit because there are so many people I know in California that really did not want to be in the illicit market. But, you know, when things are so constricting, it's like you don't have much of a choice. And, and I also worry because yeah. for as many producers that are in that market that have beautiful product, there are also, you know, because we don't have like in California, everything has to get tested before it gets on the floor of a dispensary, which is really good because we haven't had fatalities from cannabis. We've had fatalities from contaminated cannabis products. And you could get that in the illicit market, like and absolutely, you know. And that's it's it's a disservice to everybody. When I was um, vice chair of the legalization task force for San Francisco before we passed legalization, we were actually we made the suggestion of you know if somebody gets busted for you know cultivating to sell or just you know selling illicit from the illicit market instead of you know pressing charges can't we give them a brochure for like a connection to how to be able to get your business into a space where you don't have to be looking over your shoulder <laughs> yeah well you're taking money out of the prison's pocket doing it that way well yeah but it, it's just it's such a it's such a hot mess and it's you know it's all about big business yeah i know you know well you know especially in in ohio because you had that one uh the one time where you were trying to pass cannabis and there were those three jokers that were basically going to monopolize everything yeah yeah and that that i was thinking of that like um athens county and meigs county uh are have been like uh big producers of cannabis for uh you know since the 60s and i i think i mean i don't know if this is true because it's impossible to tell but a, a lot of the uh star wars themed uh cultivar names uh were birthed here um and there's a lot of growers in those areas uh and they elect sheriffs based on how lenient they are on cannabis well when that when that um 
ballot initiative was going on, which, like you said, would create state monopolies for a few uh, millionaires, um, one of them being like linebacker for the Bengals or something like that. The other one being uh, a backup singer in a boy band, 98 Degrees. Right. Um, I remember uh, that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so it's so absurd. And, um, you know, a lot of those folks realize, like, this is an industry that, like, we've we've helped facilitate for for decades and they're totally left out of the picture 100 percent left out so um they were they, they kind of banded together and voted no on that ballot initiative and it still got like 30 some percent of the vote um which you know uh, we're all glad that it failed but what we have now in ohio is not all that dissimilar from from that version um uh-huh. it, it's more there's a few more players than, than I think the, the 10 from that one we're talking about. Um, but it's still, um, hyper limited and those same folks, uh, kind of in those rural counties who have been cultivating cannabis forever, they're still left out because they don't have the millions of dollars to put in escrow, uh, to secure their permit, uh, which again, there's a finite amount. So, um, it, it is an example of how, a state kind of messed up uh, with their with their rollout. Um, I, I've heard talks that we're going to change it with a ballot initiative. It was supposed to be on the 2020 ballot, and I think we would have been legal in Ohio had COVID not happened. Um, because once that happened, everybody's priorities changed. Uh, you're not going to be collecting signatures during a pandemic, so um, it got it got kind of pushed push back and it probably won't be until another presidential election year where you know people are uh coming out to the polls in high numbers uh you know namely like more i guess democrat liberal leaning people although you know most people whatever uh political leaning you have do favor cannabis i mean look at john boehner uh oh yeah the uh famous republican uh and um, also, Michael Steele. From the county that I'm in. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, and Boehner was very anti McConnell, even. Like, yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all like very Republican, but uh, very big investors in the cannabis space. So um, I, I, I guess that is a good thing. Um, you know, but it shows you that it's, it's not really that political of an issue. Um, no, no. It's I don't very know bipartisan. How every yeah, right, right. Um, even even you know the the libertarians have been on board with this for a long time, obviously because it's it's personal freedom. Right. Um, if you want to smoke your weed, so, do it, and we'll leave you alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is great. Like, uh, then then come out and vote. You know. <laughs> That's it. We really need people to be to be activating and doing more of that. I also think too because I I do well. We're in COVID now, so I don't right now. But I do a lot of traveling, lecturing <laughs> in in states where they're considering medical or just cannabis programs in general. And one of the things that I've, yeah. I've realized is that you know policy isn't based on fact. It's not based on education. It's it's primarily based on two things: state culture, which is really strong. All I mean, I didn't realize like. I've been to different states, of course, but like really, you know, when you're doing it as a tourist and when you're doing it as somebody who's actually talking to people who are making policy, it's really different because you get a feel for the culture of the state. But it's that in stigma. You know, these are not educated decisions that are being made. Yeah, I'm not surprised there. I thought you were going to probably say fear as one of those things. Um, Oh, yeah. I I love that in the stigma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just bake it into one of those. Um, but yeah, it, it is sad. Like any, anything that we've been talking about, uh, politically this past year plus, uh, facts don't really, uh, sway anybody or matter all that much as your perception, um, you know, as, as kind of the fear of it or the stigma, I guess. So, um, with cannabis and, and anything else, like we almost need to come up with like a new vocabulary, a new way to handle these things. Um, and I, I think this is like really uncharted waters for us, uh, 
psychologically as a country um, to be in, in this position that we're all in. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, between fires, COVID, uh, <laughs> everything else is going on. Um, what? We had uh, locusts this year. <laughs> I mean, it's getting biblical. Oh, it's getting biblical up it, in here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Every time I hear about it, it's like, when we got the murder hornets, I was like, all right, I give up. <laughs> I give up. I'll yeah, be there to vote. Yeah, we have to call them that? Like, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> I but I mean, it's, yeah. I, I think, like, at least for myself personally, the one thing that this year is really, you know, it, it's like thinking about the fact that the world is so much bigger than ourselves and there are a lot of people who you know need our support and supporting these people having compassion for our fellow human beings um doesn't take anything away from us you no. know it, it's like no. with with all the stuff with and and you know i hate to well actually i don't want to make you uncomfortable and i'm political how about that but, you know, with all the stuff with, I mean, just looking in the cannabis industry and how people were viewing Black Lives Matter and the pandemic and anti-maskers. And it's like, OK, so we have people who have been marginalized and not treated well. And we need to look at this. And this has nothing to do with taking away from anyone else. You can wear a mask and you're not going to hurt anybody. You're not going to hurt yourself. You're going to do exactly the opposite. You're supporting people who have compromised immune systems. You know, if you stay home, we all get to go out soon. Because I have a mother-in-law in her 80s who's incredibly depressed because she can't hang out with her friends. Because if she gets sick, she'll die. Like she has leukemia yeah. and it's like, come on people, mm. let's, let's look at the, we all benefit when we actually are thoughtful and active and taking part in our political process and staying home when we need to stay home and speaking up for yeah. people who really need our help right now and our support. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, mean, I thought Americans were good at sacrifice. Uh, you know, look look at how we kind of came together uh, in a time of need during World War II and, and sacrificed everything. And this anti-mask thing is, I, I still can't believe it. And I, I live in a place where I'm in the minority when I wear a mask. Um, and we're, we're purple, as, as I mentioned before we, we started recording. Um, I don't know if you have that metric, but purple is as, is as bad as it gets. <laughs> So, no, uh, I didn't realize like, that. Ooh, that's pretty bad. Purple's like everything's shutting down. So that's uh, that might be an Ohio thing, but uh, funny enough, like all of the uh, more more right leaning counties are turning purple uh, or have been undulating from red to purple, red to purple for the past few months. And why is this a hill to die on? Why are we even talking about masks um, and whether or not they they work or help? Like. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, they had. I don't know. It's frustrating. It's super frustrating. And I found that they actually had the same issues um, with the flu epidemic of 1918 because there were a lot of anti maskers, too. And that one, like, my great grandmother, she had four children and a husband. She lost her husband. She lost three of her children in that. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I have. Wow. I have a ring that was my grandfather's wedding ring. So, and I always wore. So when this stuff came up, I thought about them and it was like, this is real. And then you find out that every time that there's been some sort of controversy around a pandemic, there are people who like just deny it. And it's like, is that, is that something in certain people's biology? Like, is this a, is this a coping mechanism gone wrong? I mean, there's, it, yeah, it, it might hurt. be, maybe, That's a good point. you know, but, yeah, and oh no, what are you going to say? It, it just seems like we don't need to argue the validity of a mask. Can't we just, can't we just do the neighborly, the compassionate thing and just freaking put one on? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, that to me, that's the bigger thing. It's not like, even if it lowers the risk, like a small amount, uh, it's it's the action, it's the perception of others seeing you trying to help them. Yes, that is the important message. 
and and the fact that people argue doing that that part of it i i cannot compute i don't understand how somebody could be so selfish uh and and kind of i don't know if hateful is the word i don't I, like i don't think that is their true motive but that is optically how it seems to others yes. so it, it it it's more of like a, a psychological condition than a, than a uh, physical condition um, with, with the whole mask thing. And, and that's especially, you know, being around a lot of conservative Christians and they're like, we're not wearing masks, we're holding church services. And it's like, I'm pretty sure that Jesus would be wearing a mask <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. he would at least, he would at least say, take care of your neighbor and love one another. I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I completely um, agree with you. That's the part I don't get. Yeah, I, I don't get yeah. it either. I think that, you know, there's um there's a lot of holier than thou posturing for the sake of for selfish reasons. And and that really upsets me. Like I I uh I am I am not a religious person myself, but I come from a family of religious people and the one thing that has has really stumped me is that um I don't think it's <laughs> they love Trump. They don't believe in the masks. Uh, one of them's a nurse, and <laughs> it's like, how Christ-like is that? You know, but, you know, I also got into an argument yeah. with one of them when I went into civil rights. They're like, good deeds don't get you to heaven, prayer does. I'm like, well, you should never do anything expecting something in return anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but are you just going to withhold yeah, I, I and do. pray to yourself? How? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like I, I'm with you. Like I, I think I'm a very spiritual person, but I, I think that the the religion of it, the man-made rules and and mythology, get gets it gets us into trouble as a collective culture. Um, yeah. I I was raised very Christian um, and kind of found my own way, but what I took away from it was you know, the compassion angle, uh, as being like the, the crowning piece. And that was a big reason why I got into to like cannabis, um, activism, mm -hmm. uh, just because it seemed so absurd. And we did one art piece, uh, that was a, a history of, uh, cannabis as medicine, um, going back, uh, to 3000 BC. Oh, okay. That's so so cool. people have been using it forever. It's, it's, a uh, core piece in traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic healing. And there's, there's plenty of, um, archeological records of, uh, people in Christ's time, uh, using, uh, what they, what is basically cannabis infused oils in ceremony. Yep. Uh, and they would, they would make these oils and they would pour them on themselves and see vision. So, what do you think was happening there? Like, uh, well, one, they, it was highly valued as a medicine and as a spiritual medicine. So both, both physical and mental. Um, and it, it's very likely that Jesus Christ, whoever the actual person was, uh, outside of the myth, um, utilized this, uh, in, in some of his healings. And, and, you know, there, there are records of, of him using it in ceremony as well. Mm -hmm. um, which is really fascinating. And it just shows you that, you know, if, if you're, you know, full on Christian or, or probably any religion, everything on earth is placed here for, for humans use. Um, and it's, you know, created by God for us. So how can you possibly say that this is a plant that should be illegal, uh, that should be, um, prohibited and hidden away and all of that stuff. Um, for so many reasons, it, you know, the absurdity just cannot be, I, I, I can barely understand how we got here. Um, yeah. Of course, you know, the way we got here is greed. And that is still what is bringing everybody down. Yeah. Even the mask thing. Even the mask thing. Kind of boils thing. down to like, yeah, like personal greed or I'm right, you're wrong. I, I need to feel uh, right. I need to have my shout chambers or whatever i mean that that's kind of the uh, to use the christian word you know like that's the the sin that uh i think has plagued mankind and has, has caused us a, a great deal of of problems 
um, you know, outside of the cannabis industry, but uh, and, and and within, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was um, I was raised Christian. Actually, some members of my family are apostolic Lutheran. And um, I was really into, I, I'm a, I am a still a very spiritual person and I believed in, you know, a lot, all the good things, you know, being good to one another, don't steal, like, you know, all the, all the teachings, you know, the gospel teachings, but it's like when you start to see people who don't practice what they preach and how prevalent that can be in the world because people think that religion is a band-aid so that they can do crappy things and get forgiven. Um, I know this is going on a totally different thing than cannabis, but it's like, you know, I wish that they taught me in, uh, you know, in confirmation class about, you know, cannabis and Christ. That would have been interesting. Or the fact that, you know, he probably was, he was a rabbi, so he probably had a family. Um, (laughs) Beyond that, (laughs) you know. Yeah, but it's it it is really rich, yeah. like you know, just the deep history cannabis has, and um and and we they say that we have had one of the longest symbiotic relationships with cultivation with cannabis, probably. Yeah. Yep, I, I believe it. Um, I are you getting that from uh, Michael Pollan's book? Oh, which one? The Botany of Desire? Oh, such a good book. Yeah, I love that book. Yeah, (laughs) that's one of my favorites. Uh, Him and Bill Bryson are are, uh, my um, nonfiction escape when I need it. Oh, I haven't haven't read Bill Bryson at all. Oh, man. I'd recommend a book called At Home. Mm -hmm. Um, If you you like audio books or any of your listeners... Um, they, they might have read the author reads it, and he's he's a rock star with uh, with reading his own books. But it's like uh, jam packed with so much information about uh, domesticity. Domestic, jeez Louise, I can't say that domesticity. <laughs> well, the house basically, the home life, um, the history of food, of doors, of attics, of of everything, in in such a specific. Uh, wild way um if you like michael pollan i'd highly recommend uh any of any of his works but um i wrote it down because i'm definitely gonna check it out cool yeah anybody who has that like innate curiosity about life um i think he's he's great um and yeah botany of desire the, the way that uh michael kind of captured the the history of cannabis and uh and the apple was was pretty awesome too oh yeah Um, very cool stuff yeah well you know it's i um when going back to combining this but also going back to when you're talking about we need a whole different way of talking about it um like creating that new lexicon for cannabis i i don't like to use the word strain i use cultivar or chemovar yeah yeah i i do the same um and I, we always have to put strain in, in uh, parentheses at least once in each book we do. Oh yeah. Um, but we try we try to use the proper terms um, when we publish stuff, just because we want to turn the corner on that lexicon, like you're saying. And yeah, a strain is a virus, so COVID nineteen is a strain. Um, <laughs> For blue sure. Blue dream is a cultivar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I always when people always get confused with that, but when you do start to like talk about, like I usually will refer to apples. I'll be like, you know, you have your golden delicious and your Fuji, and you know they all have different properties. <laughs> that's that's yeah. cannabis. It's a plant, but I think sometimes it's hard for people to get their head around it because we, especially now, if people are entering using cannabis now in this day and age everything's packaged and so it's really you know or even dried sometimes I think there's a disconnect for people because until you see the plant like I um I did a a few years ago I did a training for a bunch of uh, Chinese medicine practitioners and you know even though it's in their pharmacopoeia it's also very taboo because of a lot of cultural things that happen and especially with like the opium wars so I actually had a cultivator that I know um, cut me a bouquet of cannabis plants. So it had tops and leaves, and I just put it in a beautiful vase, and I put it just right on the table next to me while I was teaching. 
And like, you'd be amazed at how many people come up and they're just like, it, it's just a plant. It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it is just a plant. And yeah. somebody was like, well, you know, opium poppies. I'm like, yeah, but cannabis doesn't do that. <laughs> opium poppies might be yeah. able to kill you, but cannabis won't. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're probably not going to kill you if you just have some poppy seeds on on a sandwich or something well there's um, definitely it's a, that it's it's more about harvesting <laughs> okay i i'm i don't know so uh oh, i'll leave that to you but um, yeah yeah well yeah, I mean, there, are, there are plants that can kill you for sure oh yeah i mean there are plenty <laughs> of poisonous plants to do anything right yeah yeah but it really is like when people start to look at it they can get their head around you know why there are different cultivars of the plant and why you know the why there are differences when they can actually see the plant in front of them and they see, you know, it's this, and they, and then when you mention something like apples or tomatoes or something and they're like, Oh, okay. Now I get it. I'm like, or, you know, maybe we have different kinds of begonias. There you go. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, not to, not to keep going back to Michael Pollan, but I, I think his, his analogy always stuck with me when, uh, when he said it, which was cannabis is like the canine or dogs. Like you can have a Chihuahua and you can also have a St. Bernard and they're both technically dogs, but the, they're so far from each other that it's, it's cartoonish, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I, I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment of, of cannabis, especially, um, you know, not only chemically, they can be very different, but um just just visually where they grow something could grow in cooler temperatures and you know in the north of michigan or whatever and then uh some of them need that hot direct sun from the equator yeah um so it's pretty it's pretty fascinating how how uh varied um the plant is have you have you experienced some really some beautiful grows in ohio um I, I have toured a couple of the legal ones, but mm -hmm. the rest of them uh, mums the word right now. So, yep, yep, yep. Um, I, I see, and that's <laughs> that's my my privilege of living in California. I forget, like, <laughs> yep. when I was in the Midwest, I was very aware of it, um, which is actually why I was surprised about like how Michigan like started leading the way with education because my alma mater, NMU. Northern Michigan University is doing stuff yeah. with science and now they have both medical and adult use where I was like when I was going to college you'd have gone to prison for resin in your bowl strange yeah. times good I know it, yeah yeah it is it is good and good for Michigan um it, it's very cool that we share a border with them um I I know a lot of people uh, actually, we probably shouldn't talk. <laughs> we, I shouldn't. Uh, Is this for an offline conversation? To, yeah, we'll take that part offline. Um, okay. <laughs> well, you guys did yeah, win Toledo you know. from us, and then uh, and then we got in in exchange. We got the UP, which is which is where I hail from. Did you know that? Uh, no. Oh, I did know that Toledo was uh, was. Part, part of Michigan, but the, I didn't realize that the UP uh, ever wasn't. Yeah, they got that in the deal. You guys got Toledo, and and Michigan got the UP. <laughs> it's a sweet deal for Michigan. I think so, but, you know, like, back in the day when hardly anybody was up there, when there were just a few of us, people used to joke about it. More and more people go, though, and especially, um, you oh, know, a man, lot of people yeah. having summer homes up there. And, uh, hey, they got that Confederate gold, right? Yeah, right. I, I grew up with um, going to college, kids whose families were on the Garden Peninsula, and they were growers. That, that was like oh, right, right near uh, the ghost town of Fayette. And I, that, was, uh, that was our source in college. <laughs> oh, nice. And every, every year someone got busted and they'd burn the crops, but somehow they managed to pull some out. So there you go. But, um, it, you know, we're, we're actually getting close on our hour. So is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we wrap it up? Cause you know, this is just such a great conversation. We, we've got, we've, we've, it, it is. we've hit a lot of spots. <laughs> 
We did. I'm glad I got to vent about my my uh, mask policy, <laughs> as well as talk about Christianity for a bit. It's pretty great. <laughs> That's a first for the podcast. You know, we've talked about masks, but we've never we've never hit, we've never actually brought up Jesus. So there you go. <laughs> well, yeah. When you're talking about cannabis, you know, Jesus can can certainly pop his head up whenever he wants. Oh, totally. Um, Totally. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he was on our team with that one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, how about? Uh, no, this was great, Sarah. Oh, good. Um, do you want to give our listeners uh, your your social media links? Yes, I'd love to. Um, you can uh, see what we're up to uh, on Instagram uh, at. Goldleaf without the O, so G L D L E A F. Um, that's the one that we like the most, just because it's a more of a visual expression. Um, you can also find us on Pinterest. Again, visual expression. We we often post some of our our unpublished uh, infographics and unpublished artwork uh, that we create uh, to Pinterest. So if you want to see some behind the scenes, uh, some B sides. Uh, both of those are, are great spaces for it. Awesome. Are you on Twitter? Um, yes, but um, I'll be honest, it's just an aggregate from Instagram. So uh, I, I don't personally like Twitter. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I've, never, I've never been pushy with it uh, in terms of like Goldleaf's efforts. Um, if we had somebody on our team who was, passionate about um you know quick comments and quips then we we might light it up but uh right now we kind of spend our time with with those two um we also have a a really great um blog on our website uh shopgoldleaf.com um we have a lot of uh interviews with with folks and um tutorials and information uh that kind of uh go hand in hand with some of our our journals and prints. Um, so for example, a lot of our prints, uh, are, are, well, not a lot. Some of them are tied to studies, uh, and we'll, we'll publish these studies on our blog. Uh, if somebody wants to kind of dig deeper, uh, it's a great spot. Oh, very cool. Um, just so you know, my producer is going to be putting this on advertising for our episode on Twitter several times a day. So you're going to get tagged. You're going to get a little action on oh, Twitter, okay. just so you know. And nice. then also, um, cool. Okay. Yeah, and then I just wanted to mention to listeners too that um, MJ Lifestyle Magazine has had what they did a feature on the journals, I think, and um, and I read wrote an article to accompany it on the process of journaling. So um, check that out on the MJ Lifestyle website as well because Gold Leaf is on there too. Um, Thank you so much, everyone. This is Charles McElroy from Gold Leaf. Um, I hope to have you on again. Um, and actually, before we close, do you have any other future plans on projects that you're excited about? Yeah. Um, thanks, Sarah. Um, w- well, uh, let's see. I'm trying not to use the word pivot here. <laughs> we, um, we had... Uh, three really exciting projects that we had to uh, kind of pull the brake on uh, in 2020 here for a variety of, of complications and stuff. But the next one that we're excited to finish up, um, it's been in the works for almost a year, um, is a series on land race genetics. Ooh. Uh, so we're hoping to publish some um, uh, a new a new batch of lovely uh, scientific drawings of land race cultivars, as well as some of the history of um, some of those uh, specific uh, cultivars from around the world. Um, and yeah, so look for more uh, more in that realm of things uh, for all those who like botany and uh, history. Um, hopefully, uh, in the next couple months. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And you just really like when we scheduled this, I was just super excited because I've, I've been a huge fan of your brand and what you do for a long time. So I hope we can keep the conversation going. 
Yeah, I'd love to. Thanks so much, Sarah. Great talking with you. Oh, great talking with you, too. And everybody out there, I hope that you enjoyed our conversation today and it gave you a little break from the rest of your day. Really think about if you're using cannabis or you have somebody in your family who's curious about it, think about journaling and really check out Gold Leaf. They're beautiful products. Um, to follow us, to follow Planted with Sarah Pion on social media, on Instagram, we are Planted with Sarah, um, www.plantedwithsarah.com. On Facebook, it is also Planted with Sarah. Um, and as you know, we are available on our uh, the Radio Misfits Network, which is our parent network, but we can also be uh, found on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify, and now Amazon. So check it out. And as you know, we are going to two-episode a month format. So tune in next time when we talk about veterans and cannabis. Everyone be safe out there. Take care of each other. And until next time, I wish you well. Bye, everybody. Bye.